Hi in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon. Welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground immortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from the Gospel of St. Matthew 5, verses 3 to 10. The Eight Beatitudes of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. My guest today is Katrina Jane, an Australian fitness enthusiast, a very early riser, and the author of Where Did They Go?, a children's book that gives assistance in explaining to a child where a loved one or a special pet has gone when they die. So my engineer and I, we were doing some calculation. I think it's 19 hours ahead for you right now, right? You are yes, I'm, 10 a.m. on Friday morning. This is, this is truth, about 10 to 10, so I am wow. in the future. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that's amazing, that, <laughs> that magical ability that you're joining us through those phone lines that stretch across, I'm guessing, a few oceans. Is that, is that where we are? Yes. Or is this, it's not all continental land, right? That's it. We're, we're, there's a lot of ocean between you and me. Nice. So she's, I probably clued that in by saying she's an Australian fitness enthusiast. She's in Australia. And um, I'm having a conversation with somebody who's tomorrow. So that's kind of fun. I'm, it's today, but yet it's tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you're an early riser. Were you up early this morning walking Master Monty around? I was, and it was raining, so it was a bit miserable, unfortunately, to do our walk. But yes, he's quite eager at 5.30 to jump on the bed and wake me up to go for his morning stroll. We should make it known that Master Monty, it's not your husband, it's actually a dog. That is right. He's a Maltese. A Maltese. He's a rescue dog, yes. Oh, that's sweet. That's nice. And so he's big, right? Uh, No, he's not. Maltese are quite, they're little white fluffy dogs. Oh, right, right. I think uh, Marilyn Monroe had one. She called yeah, it Moff. Very popular bit. Yeah, from Mafia. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking that big thing, that Marmaduke, that's what I'm thinking. Div- oh, a whole, that's, like, that's, a, that's cartoon here in America. You might not know that one. Yes, I know Marmaduke. I do know Marmaduke. Okay, great. We have something in common already. <laughs> so now you've been married over 20 years. Does he have to walk the dog or does he have less cool chores than that? Well... The is actually Master Monty is actually his dog. I got the dog for him, my husband Chris. Somehow I'm the one who is walking him morning and afternoon. But the rule is Sunday morning that's my sleep in. So Chris has to walk Master Monty on a Sunday morning. I think that's fair. I think that sounds all right. So I love yeah. your book. You sent over. Where do they go? And I love it. 
Um, so Thank what you. we're talking about here is Katrina wrote a kid-focused book. It has gorgeous illustrations by Alison Worry. And even though death is really a sad topic, she presents her book in a way which is light and it's really simply explained. It offers hope and understanding that our loved ones will always be with us. So you were motivated to write this because of a darling little four-year-old boy. This is true. It's actually a very sad story. Uh, very close friends of ours, it was his nephew. So the nephew was in his early 30s, had married his childhood sweetheart, and they had two children, um, Archie, who was four, and Stella, who was two. And he actually, um, Alex got testicular cancer, but it was misdiagnosed. So by the time it all, they found it, it was just too late and he was riddled with this cancer. And they were at the hospice and, you know, people in the room and he wanted to see the children before he died because it was literally like he was going in the next day. And they called Archie and Stella and they said, Archie, come on, you've got to come in and say goodbye to your daddy. And Archie, being a four-year-old, said, well, where is he going? And the people in the room, the adults, replied, oh, he's going up into the sky. And, you know, the, the beauty of little four-year-olds is that they just think about it, they think about it, and then the question comes out and he said to them, well, if Daddy's going to the sky, why can't we just catch a plane and go and see him? Mm. And nobody in the room knew how to respond to that. And that's why I wrote that book. I literally wrote the book for them, for Archie. And I realised that doing some research on this book, well, Australian statistics I will use. I don't know the American statistics. But one in 20 children by the age of 18 will have lost a parent. Now, that doesn't include both parents, grandparents, cousins, siblings, family pet so that would actually be a lot higher than what it is like than the one in one in 20 I mean me personally I lost my dad when I was 15 and I lost my grandfather when I was 12 so that brings it down to one in 10 and I also realized as well that for the adults when we've got children around us and we are trying to explain what's going on, we're emotionally charged as well. You know, we're going, we're suffering with grieving. So, for instance, you know, Archie's mum was just a mess. She was losing the love of her life. And how do you sit down and calmly explain to a child what's going on? And how do you put it into words that they will understand? And I found that a lot of parents and grandparents try and hide it sometimes from the kids. Oh, everything's all right, everything's all right, you know. But kids can sense the energy in a room and what, that something's not right. And that's why I wrote that book, to make it something that you can just sit down and read it to your child in, and open up a conversation with them. It doesn't even have to be that somebody has actually just died. It could just be asking them what do you think happens when you die you know do you understand what dying is and if they don't you sit down and read the book and that opens up a conversation what was your answer for archie who wanted to know why daddy can't be visited by an airplane if he's in the sky well as in the book i i explained that we have a soul and we have a body and it's our body that dies but our soul which you can't see that goes up I, I didn't. I used the word heaven, but I didn't 
say it was heaven because everybody has different kinds of beliefs. Like there are lots of different religions out there and they take different parts of the Bible and they believe different things, which is fine. And I know also that a lot of times when people lose someone that they love, especially when it's a child or somebody who's younger, they can be very angry towards God. So in the book, I didn't want to mention like God or Jesus, but I opened it up that if that's what you believe, that's fine. You can say that to your child. So I just said to him, Daddy will always be around you, but you just might not see him. I think that's nice. I also think it's really nice that you keep the identity of who's passed away in the book mm. non-specific. Um, you you make it so whoever's reading this book, if they've lost their auntie or the grandma or their pet turtle, yep. they still can feel like the story relates to them and that death is really something that they have that they're currently trying to understand. That's right. That's right. Like I, I um, left a little gap so they can put the name in of the person if they wish and like I said, it's not specific to a male or a female. It's just about someone that you care about. And like I said, it could be the family dog. Yeah, yeah. Training where the family dog's going, you know. And I just try to keep it as simple as possible because children just absorb what they need to know. And then they'll come back and ask you questions later if they need to know more. You know, you see lots and lots of comments about, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or wherever about having to explain something to a child and the child will just listen and go, oh, good, can I have some cookies now? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they, just, they just take what they need. And I think we can try as adults and make things too complicated. Like you're saying, you leave that space in there. It makes it a great gift book because you can personalize Mm. it for a child who lost something. And the idea, you can put grandma or whomever. And I think your idea Mm. and the way you've written this is so fantastic, obviously, because you won three international book awards with this. Um, How does that feel to know that you've written a book that not only touches people's lives, but you've given awards? That's amazing. I know. It was so excited. I was so excited to do, when I won the first one, I was just, blown away and then because um, I've actually won four for it now I won one late last year and I think it's an honor in all honesty that it's won those awards because it makes it I know that it is a good book mm-hmm. that it's something that is worth looking into that it's something that worth having on the shelf just in case you might need it because we never know when that time comes, what's, you know, obviously sometimes people have an illness and they, we know that they're going to pass away, but, you know, unfortunately far too many people um, are taking you know, in car accidents, you know, heart attacks, and you can be left lost and not knowing what to say. And I think winning those awards was just such a wonderful thing for me to go, yes, I've written something that is actually well worth Getting. You're on a mission to help people deal with death and grief, and you're making this topic Absolutely. really approachable and less scary I, I for everybody am. involved. Yes. Nice. Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to with the children, there's a point there where death awareness is something that we really need to start talking about. And there is sometimes really little support for children to understand what has happened. How do you think that we can mm. better prepare our children for the reality of death? Look, I think it's one of those things, like I said, as adults, I think we don't actually appreciate nor realise how much children are absorbing in their everyday lives. Like, look on the news. 
how many times on the news do you see that somebody's died or been killed or you know, something has happened? So children are constantly sort of know that it's happening. And I think it's the best way that I, I believe would be just sitting there. And if something came on on the TV, you just turn to your child and go, what do you think happened? Like, where do you think they've gone you know, when they've died? What do you think dying means? Just open and get there what they think. And then you can lead them into helping them understand it better um, and taking the fear out of it. You know, nobody really wants to die. Like, that's one of those things. But I think it's one of the, like, not saying to children, we are all going to die, but we're not all going to die tomorrow. You know, most people live to a really old age. And I think helping be open and honest about things, that yes, you'll be sad when it happens and, you know, you will miss the person. But as I say in the book, it's like, you know, you can... They can leave little messages for you or, you know, like, you know, I, there's lots of people that will say, oh, every time I think of, you know, my grandfather, I'll see the particular bird or I'll hear a song on the radio or, you know, I see a feather or a butterfly. And I, I just think it's nice to open it up and just say that death isn't really forever. It's just an ending at this point in time. But, it, you know, as, as um, for Christians, you know, if you believe when you die and you go to heaven, well, you're going to catch up with them again. So this is Katrina Jane I'm speaking to. She wrote, Where Did They Go?, a children's book that gives assistance in explaining to a child where a loved one or a special pet goes when they died. She's won several awards, including the Book Excellent Awards, the Beverly Hills Book Awards, and the Independent Press Award. And these are all categories of children with nonfiction. You were raised very strict Seventh-day Adventist. So when you are raised in that religion, what is the viewpoint on death? For Seventh-day Adventists, we believe, or they believe, they, that when you die, you are actually dead. That is it. They don't believe that your soul goes to heaven um, or anything like that. They do believe in heaven, but they believe that when Jesus comes in the second coming, that's when everybody will be raised from the dead and then you will go to heaven. Now, how has your viewpoint changed on death, dying, and what happens? I have done a complete flip in regards to, to my beliefs. I've done a lot of reading. I love reading and researching and you know, getting different opinions. And I am going to say that I'm not one person that everything I say is right and everybody else is wrong. I am quite open to the fact that people have different beliefs and that is perfectly okay. I'm happy to discuss people's beliefs with them because I find it really, really interesting. But I actually now do believe in reincarnation. I do believe that we have a soul and that it goes up into the spirit world or heaven, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I do believe that we can reconnect with them. And I believe that once we have passed over, we can let our loved ones here on earth know that we're okay and that we are with them. So you're not saying put a cell phone in the casket because once you're up in heaven, you'll ring the phone and make everything okay. <laughs> People think that. They come into the funeral home and they'll say, how long would the cell phone stay in the on position? And I know what they're asking. They're saying, so you, when they make it to heaven, they can give a phone call to let them know that you've made it. <laughs> what do you think about that theory? Wow. Yeah. I, well, look, in all honesty, 
I, I have spoken to people who have got the phone of their, their loved ones and it's sitting in a drawer, the battery's been taken out, the phone is dead, so to speak, yet they have had a missed call from them mm. on their Ooh. phones. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, do you mean? And I know people who said that I've had a missed call and I went, there you go. Because once we're in the spirit world, and again, this is what I believe, once we are there, we have a lot more abilities than what we have here on Earth. So, you know, they can flicker the lights and play with the electrics and send messages, you know, via the telephone. But they don't actually pick up a phone and dial it because, yeah, that's just not quite possible, I don't think. <laughs> it's more about the electrics and the energy that they use to be able to send the message. I also like the idea of when someone that you loved has passed away and you feel their presence or you feel like mm. you have, um, oh, you turn on the car radio and there's lyrics of songs and you feel like, oh gosh, that's them speaking to me or they're, or this reminds me of so-and-so. Maybe it's a mm. signal that they're letting you know that they're safe, they're okay, they're fine, and ultimately helping those left behind on earth sort of move through their own grief. I would agree 100% with that. And I do believe that that's what they do. You know, some people have sort of said, oh, am I just imagining or am I just hoping that it's them? I go, Who, what does it matter if that's what you're hoping? If it gives you comfort, mm -hmm. then take it. I think we sometimes can be a slightly too analytical. And it's just sometimes you just have to accept that some of those wonderful random things that happen are just wonderful messages from the spirit world. And if you don't want to believe that, that's fine. But if it gives somebody comfort, then that's wonderful. I really liked your viewpoint on the sermon you heard when you were at the church service with your mom and your stepdad. And it spoke to you about being a part of the family of God. Tell us about that. Mm. It was, um, I'm not sure. So being a Seventh-day Adventist, um, my, for your listeners, my mum actually has dementia. So every time I go up, I always go to church with her because she likes that. And this particular, we have what they call ordinances. Now, I don't know what other religions would call it, but it's when you um, wash each other's feet, you eat the bit of you know, um, unleavened bread as the body of Christ, and then you have that little drink of the grape juice or wine or whatever is the symbolism of his blood. So it was, it was ordinances day, so it's quite a big church service. So in through that, the minister was talking about um, being a part of the family of God, and there was a hymn that we sang that was, you know, I'm part of the family of God. And when I got home, back with my mum my and stepdad, and I said, that was actually a really good sermon. I actually enjoyed that. And my mum obviously didn't remember what the sermon was about, and my stepfather said, oh, it's about, it's about being a part of the family of God. And I thought, I didn't say anything, but I thought, isn't it interesting, because I've got something completely different from the sermon than what he did. And as we all do, everybody will take something different when they hear somebody speak. But what I took from it is from the first part of the sermon and how the minister was saying, we try and put God in the box and then try and, you know, um, make him fit into our world as opposed to just living our life and accepting that whatever happens is what God is wanting to happen or God's will for us. Do you mean like being more open to just 
I suppose, going with the flow and being what God wants you to be as opposed to trying to make God do what you want God to do, if that makes sense. That's hard to do. I think yes. you can come up with your plan and say, okay, God, this year, these are my goals and this is how I'm going to get here and mm. this is what my day is going to look like. And I don't want to say he's laughing at you, but I would have to say that there's a plan. <laughs> that's gonna, it's, it's, I think John Lennon wrote it best. He wrote a, um, a phrase that said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. I think that we can think that we have it all under control and it's all what we're going to go do, but little do we know there's a little bit of a hand in there that possibly can tweak and fine-tune as we go along. Absolutely. And it is really, really difficult for everybody to just go, okay, this is the way it's meant to be. I will go with that. Instead of, oh, no, no, I must be down this particular path, you know, and you go, well, maybe you're not meant to be down that particular path. You might want to be down that particular path, but that doesn't mean that's where you're meant to be. I find if I'm late, which is very, very rare, I'm an early to on-time person. And the times that I'm running late, I'm frustrated with myself because I somehow didn't do what I needed to do to get out the door. But it's the darndest thing. I always cross paths with someone I haven't seen for years, maybe someone I went to college with or some random person mm. I taught ballroom dancing to back 25 years ago. And I think, oh my gosh, I never go down this road or I wouldn't be heading down this, be in this neighborhood or using this bathroom at 9.15 in the morning, but it just, because I'm late. So I have to think, wow, yeah. that's definitely what I call a God thing. That's that idea yeah. of, um, I was late for a purpose, for a reason. There's a more of an ordination of a plan here. And how cool is that, that kind of going with the flow as you say, and realizing that sometimes mm. life is going to be what it is, I got the wonderful surprise and the treat of this. If I was so in control of everything, this wouldn't have happened. That's absolutely right. I agree 100% with that. I like it. I like it. Thank you. To, you've done two, I agree 100%, so I feel like we're yeah. fast friends here. <laughs> we're doing well. We're doing Yay. Well. So when you're out talking about where did they go and you're either reading it to an audience, you're signing books, you are lecturing, doing something, what's the response you tend to get from people? The most common thing that people say to me is, I wish I'd had this book earlier. Most people have gone, yes, you know, when my husband died, when my children were little, I wish I had this book or, you know, for my grandchildren and it's always been very, very well received, I must say. I've never had anybody go, oh, that book is just rubbish or trash. You'd say trash. <laughs> yeah, rubbish. What is that? <laughs> trash. That's what it is. It's, um, you know, so in that instance, the, most people do just really, really appreciate it. And I hope that people do use it. You know, I don't want people to buy it and put it on the shelf and never ever um, look at it because, like I said, I think we need to start taking the fear away about dying. That's why this show came to be. I think it's to give people support and some understanding mm. about death, how to process grief. And Katrina, I find that we prepare for living, but we don't prepare for death. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's almost, like I said, there's some kind of block or it's a fear that people have and, you know, and I think too, especially in this day and age, I'm going to sound like an old person now, 
But it's almost like there's this fear of even growing old. Yeah. Where we're not allowed to grow old. And I say to people, why are you putting like, you know, Botox or having facelifts as if you're trying to erase your life? And it's, we should be embracing the knowledge that we gain as we get older. And, you know, like I said, being prepared. An example is my in-laws. Um, my mother-in-law has dementia as well. And my father-in-law um, was diagnosed with terminal prostate cancer. And they had had absolutely nothing in place for dying or getting older. I mean, they're 80, but it's just like they seem to think that they were going to live forever. Maybe they hope they live forever. Or maybe do they have that <laughs> idea of, well, my son will just take care of it? Is that what they're thinking? No, I just, we honestly, Chris and I honestly believe that um, someone that they just didn't even contemplate it. They didn't acknowledge that they were getting older. They didn't acknowledge that their bodies were starting to fall apart. And when we went up to see them, because they live um, in Queensland, so I'm in Newcastle, which is on the east coast of Australia in New South Wales, and they live in Queensland, so it's the next state up. And it's about... Well, if you drive, it's an eight-hour drive. So we went up there to see them, and we realised that I cleaned out all the cupboards and, like, the pantry, all the foods, and... The use-by date was all around the same time. And I said, that's when they stopped living. I said, that's when they, you know, his mum was not, no longer able to walk. And we didn't realise how bad she was. She literally could barely walk. And they just, it's like they just hit it and just, oh, no, no, we're fine, we're fine. Go, You're not fine. You, you know, mum can't walk. She's got, you know, bad dementia and dad would just cover for it. And so we didn't realise how bad she was. And it wasn't until we actually got up there and went through their things you know, I, I just wanted to sort everything out and have everything nice and clean for them. So, you know, it was all sorted because I'm a bit of an organising freak. And we just realised that they had nothing in fact. They'd never spoken to a financial planner in regards to, you know, retirement living and best way of doing things. And, you know, what happens if one of us has to go into a nursing home? There was no thought whatsoever. And I think most people are like that until it actually hits them. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, now what do I do? That makes sense to me. It's easier to ignore it, isn't it? Mm, Not absolutely. the right thing, but easier. Yeah. And that's how we've been trained. I think the idea of death positivity and talking about these things, we have death cafes over here in America where we kind of mm. can get together and we discuss items and all is something more. I know you're really into women's empowerment. And again, that's something that's been a slow growing movement. You have a website. How do people mm -hmm. find you on social media to learn more about you? Um, I'm on Facebook is my big one, Facebook. Uh, and what's Katrina your Jane. handle, Katrina Jane? Katrina Jane, uh, clairvoyant medium. <laughs> and, and my website, my website is Google. You can just Google me. And so if anybody would like to buy my book, you can buy it through Amazon. Oh, Amazon, okay. Like everybody there, in the, everyone in America, you just you know put in the, the title of the book and Katrina with a hyphen Jane, and it should come up. Okay. Probably will. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for talking with us. You've been listening to KKPZ 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you so very much to my guest, Katrina Jane, all the way from Australia with her darling accent. She is the author of the book, Where Did They Go? A children's book. It's on Amazon. You can find her there. Until we meet again next week, be excellent to each other.